You're listening to the Mobcast Network. Space Legion. I don't know what that means. I just, I just want I don't to either. <laughs> I have no idea what that I want means. to be a Space Legion. Like you know, like a bunch of guys? Yeah, yeah. I'm like a Voltron. Uh, <laughs> all of my molecules are named. Ted. Wow. Ted, They're all named Ted. Theodore. Theodore. Thomas. Theodosia. Theodosia. Yeah, there we go. Sorry, I've been listening to Hamilton. And, yeah. and uh, Aaron Burr's wife and daughter are both named Theodosia. And so there's two songs with that name in there. One of them was called Dear Theodosia. And so it's like, you went with Ted, Theo, right straight to Theodosia. Side note, I'm addicted to Hamilton. No, it's good. Like, like crack. I've listened to it all day yesterday at work. It's just... I found a, um, I can't remember her name. I'd have to pull out my phone and dig it up. I found an artist. Her name, I think her first name's Kendra something. She has an album of covers. And she does, I'm not a huge Metallica fan. I think it's Ride the Lightning. Mm-hmm. The way she does it is like this Portishead trip hop sort of vibe. Okay, gotcha. Unbelievable. She she does Karma Police, one of the best versions. And sometimes her version is better than um, the original. Right. Uh, Which is a good cover. Oh my god, it's 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 a really great. I'm hooked on it. Totally hooked. Welcome to the music podcast. Yeah. yeah. Here we go again. <laughs> People are like, "Where's Star Wars?" Yeah, we're jumping off. <laughs> well, so let's get back to the to right universe. Okay. First of all, this episode is written by uh, Kevin Hops, and it's. Full of craziness. Uh, we'll listen to the synopsis. Prologue. On board the Ghost, Kanan and Ezra finishing their daily Jedi lessons by attempting to levitate Chopper. Captain Rex and Zebra playing Dejark on a hollow table, and Sabine is doing. Sabine things. While Ezra is focusing on lifting the droid, Sabine has Chopper magnetically lock his legs to the deck. Sabine and Chopper find that funny. Ezra, not so much. Rex uses this as a teaching moment, telling Ezra to look with his eyes as well as sense with through the Force. The Jedi General I served combined the Force with his wits, and it made him a great warrior. This caused Kanan and Rex to have a discussion on the merits between Jedi and soldier discipline, which turns into an argument. <laughs> Funny, but a soldier's discipline can't compare to a Jedi's. It takes far more discipline not to fight. Oh, so you're just gonna ask the Empire to lay down their weapons and give up. No, that isn't what I meant. Hera has found some supplies and some old records Rex has and sends Sabine, Zeb, and Chopper after them. Not wanting to be involved in the squabble between the Jedi and the clone, Ezra joins the crew and they head off in the Phantom to Parts Unknown. Act 1. The Phantom lands at an abandoned Republic medical station. It's dark and creepy, which freaks out Chopper. The four head through the corridors until they get to a command station where Chopper turns on the power so the team can find the medical supplies. On the way, Sabine tags the Rebellion Phoenix on a corridor wall and is observed by a strange little probe droid. On a Star Destroyer, the Empire is alerted by the sudden power surge at the medical station. And the fifth brother senses the Rebels are there. 
Agent Callus orders the ship to head to the station, but the fifth brother says he doesn't need any help and goes after the rebels alone. The medical station's files are corrupted, so Chopper stays behind to fix them while Zeb, Ezra, and Sabine go looking for them. A friendly game of who can find the medical supplies first is played between Zeb and Ezra, which doesn't end so well for either of them. Chopper's alone and is freaked out when he hears things. He leaves his post to investigate and is attacked by little probe droids. Chopper sends out a distress signal and Ezra and Sabine crawl through another Ezra-sized air shaft to find them. Zeb tries to follow, but gets stuck. When Ezra and Sabine get close to Chopper, they hear strange noises. Thinking it's him, they run into the seventh sister, who Ezra mistakes for a bounty hunter. When she ignites her lightsaber, the truth is revealed. She is an Inquisitor. Act 2. The Inquisitor and her probe droids take chase. Ezra and Sabine try to hold their own, but the droids are making it hard work. They run right into the fifth brother, who also starts chasing them. Now they're being hunted down by two Inquisitors. The pair make it to a blast door, but the probe droid and the seventh sister's force powers pull Ezra down. He tells Sabine to run and thrusts his lightsaber into the lock, sealing the door and saving Sabine for now. The fifth brother tries to slay Ezra, but is stopped by the seventh sister. He's all like, no fair, that's my kill, and she replies with, hey, I need him for bait, and she sends him after Sabine. Sabine finds Zeb stuck in the Ezra-sized air vent, and Sabine helps him down while telling him of the Inquisitors. They can reach out to Kanan, but they risk letting the Empire know where the Rebel fleet is. Zeb and Sabine are forced to save Ezra themselves. The Seventh Sister is interrogating Ezra, trying to get him to tell her where the other Jedi are. You handle a lightsaber well, Apprentice. Well, I've got some time if you wanted a lesson. You have great potential, but perhaps it is I that might teach you, as your master never achieved the rank of Jedi Knight. Did he? Maybe not. But he took out the last Inquisitor, so I think I'll just stick with him. Yes, the death of the Grand Inquisitor was a surprise to all, yet it does present the rest of us with new opportunities. There are many hunting you now, all intent on killing you and your master. Does that frighten you? If you were gonna kill me, you'd have already done it. Kill you? I have no plans to kill you. Yet. He is refusing. The fifth brother is hunting for Sabine and finds her and Zeb with the Force. The pair have set a trap with explosives. Of course, what else is the Mandalorian going to use? It backfires, no pun intended, allowing Sabine to be captured and leaves Zeb, well, dead. Act 3. Yay, Zeb's not dead, but he's got to deal with some probe droids. There's a little tussle, some electric shocks, but Zeb finds the medical supplies and escapes. He also finds Sabine's helmet, which tells him that Spectre 5 is in trouble. The Seventh Sister is not having any luck getting Ezra to talk. Even using the Force to torture him isn't going so well. She does tell him that she's aware of Ahsoka Tano, and it will be a matter of time before they hunt down all the Jedi. The Fifth Brother returns with Sabine, and when Ezra asks about Zeb, well, Zeb's dead, baby. Zeb's dead. But we already know he's not dead. Zeb finds Chopper. Chopper! You know I don't understand what you're saying. God, just come with me. I need your help. You just be quiet. And they get the medical supplies to the Phantom. They have a quick chat about leaving the kids behind. 
You are mocking me, right? I can never tell. Everyone seems to know everything these days. Truth is, I don't really stand a chance going in alone, much less with you. If we leave this space station, we will never see those kids again. I came here with them, and I'm not leaving without them. He calls Sabine under the alias Commander Meiluron. The Inquisitor forced the pair to tell Commander Meiluron to bring Kanan and Ahsoka. Then they pick a place to meet on the station. Zeb has the Phantom attached to the ceiling of the hangar. When the Inquisitors and the rebel prisoners arrive, Zeb swoops down and opens fire. Ezra and Sabine escape, get aboard the Phantom and try to escape. The Inquisitors reach out with the Force to pull the ship back. Sabine opens fire, forcing the fifth brother to use his lightsaber to block. The seventh sister can't hold the Phantom on her own and the ship escapes. When they arrive back to the rebels, Ezra tells Kanan about the Inquisitors. Kanan didn't know there were any more. The Jedi and the Rebels are now in serious trouble. The end. Bam. <laughs> what a crazy episode. It's insane. Insane. Um, what I find interesting about this episode, first of all, it is... Um, Totally a Haunted House episode. Completely. Completely a Haunted House episode that happened to fall, coincidentally, on Halloween. Right. But no, it worked out really it well. Worked out well. It, interestingly enough, I, I, I watched the first time with my daughter, because she, she likes Star Wars, as she says. Oh. It's It's WH. And so we watched this one kind of, I had to actually turn it off and then pick it up later, because it spooked her. I mean, she's two and a half, so... It, but it did. It freaked her out a little bit. Just the the amount of light and dark, and they did a great job. Like the, the this episode is so contrasty to me. Right. I'd actually really like them to visit that more often. Is to to give us this sort of darkness element. I, well, they and they did it in um, last season with uh, Out of Darkness uh, when the crew when Hera and Samingo go to where the uh, it's not the Tibbetes, it's the the other the giant feral cat things. Yeah, the, and it's because it's all Nexu. Nexu, yeah. Yeah, I've I've been listening about another podcast, and they mentioned the Tibbetes, um, the big moths that show up later this season. But uh, anyway, so I, yeah, I think they they do a great job with with just making it spooky. Right. I mean, it's it's a cartoon. It's and it's, it's there's elements where it's really really spooky. No, it has an awesome horror feel to it. For right. Sure. I mean, the, the lighting elements they obviously borrowed from haunted house horror movies, single right. location horror, that kind of vibe. And, it's even set up with the same beat count. You know, you tease the idea of something, you know, with Ezra. Right? right. And you tease the idea that he needs to overcome something, traditional act structure. And then he's faced with that same thing, but in a horror movie sort of vibe, um, which is what I found to me. I don't know. I, I was really into this episode. Um, it does create some problems in my old brain. <laughs> and that's what I call the the, the the one that has canon and, and old EU just kind of like colliding. Um it did it, for me. It created some challenges, but we'll get to this. Um, the, I like how this inter, this episode starts out with um, Rex and Zeb playing uh, Dejeric. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's it's always good to see the hollow table being used and stuff. Um, I I also like the fact that um, you know, Kanan comes in and tells as you know you know well gets um, Ezra to to lift Chopper with the Force to, right. for, for for but Chopper locks himself down. Yeah, absolutely. 
which is a just a total just just a, a jerk move, and Sabine suggests it, which yeah. which is kind of cruel. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's got that weird sort of. Um, this is where, and I, I'm not making a direct comparison, but this is where it has a very Firefly sort of feel to me. I've made the direct character comparison to Firefly all the yeah. time. It's, it's, so it it's got a very strong fire that. This episode very much feels Firefly to me. Yes. Um, and instead of, you know, uh, blue hands, uh, two by two hands of blue, <laughs> they, two by two. Uh, hands with sabers. <laughs> yeah. Sabers of red. Sabers uh, of red. But, but you know, it, it's got that, you know, they're, they're doing a traditional Firefly-esque, you know, any kind of space pirate. Right. They're, they're looking for goods. And um, that's what makes it work at what the same th- time. What I think I find fascinating that comes from that, though. Not just the joke they played on Ezra, but what comes after it. The, this confrontation between Kanan and Rex. Right. Kanan clearly still has issues. Right. Which is not really seen in Star Wars, especially with Jedi. Jedi usually, you know, you know what we've known traditionally when Jedi's have a disagreement or something, they kind of quickly go past it and then learn the learn this. You know, it, it's everything's going to be okay. We're all going to work together, kind of thing. Kanan clearly is not there yet, and and you know Rex is an asset. Clearly. Yep. And uh, and seems to be a good guy. I mean, what what Rex said to me didn't seem like it was adversarial or anything. Kanan just takes it in a way that you know. Of course, granted, clones killed his master, so he's got. Well, I still think he's he's two degrees shirking off responsibility. Of uh, you know, I, I like I've said, I think the whole the great thing about Rebels is every character is on a journey of discovery, and and more so in this season mm-hmm. that, that we've seen thus far. Um, cause obviously you know, you and I are a little ahead of that and we, we know what happens with, with Zeb and, and kind of going forward. And I think we're about to get a chopper discovery yeah, chopper, coming, chopper up. coming up soon. So I think it, that's the interesting side. It's just Kanan gets a nice long arc to do it. Ezra has kind of an intermediate arc, meaning his is per episode, little spikes. Right. Um, and Sabine's is kind of just whenever they need to fill, <laughs> fill a gap, unfortunately. Well, you know, I, and I think especially with Zeb and Sabine, strictly with Zeb, cause he, Talk about filler. Right. He's typically a filler character. Right. And he has some really great moments in this episode. Oh, incredible. And so I like what what makes Rebels better than traditional cartoons uh, is the fact that they are, it's not everything solved in an a episode. And there's a lot of that going on, but it's, um, they, they do allow for development. Right. And, and they let cont- a continuity kind of build with it. And so that's fun. Oh yeah, and did um, just speaking of did did you get a and pardon me for not knowing the name of the ship. You can pull my geek card if I need to. No. But did you? Unless it's like the Enterprise, and I'm no, like, no. Did you happen to get sort of an um, an alien, the movie Alien vibe when they turn on the power and it cuts to all those shots of the lights coming like, on, like on the Nostrobo? On the Nostrobo, thank you. <laughs> did you did you kind of get that? Yeah, vibe? oh yeah, and I think I mean I, th- I think that's kind of an homage. I, I mean I would I would say it probably is. Because even the, the the tent in this particular base is a little more on the, uh, to me visually, is a little more on the green element. It's not super green, but it's right. it's not the same lighting palette that we've seen um, in other stuff. It's just, it's so, grosser. So, it's Fincher. I, right. Um, I don't know how much of a Star Trek fan you are. And I don't know if you've seen any Deep Space Nine. But this remind me of an episode from season four or five, Impacnor, where you know there's another, you know, Deep Space Nine is a Cardassian space station. They're having problems. 
they they need to get parts from another one that's abandoned and so they send a crew to go and it's the same kind of thing they go to this abandoned station and they go and it's weird kind of crazy lighting and it's spooky <laughs> right right suddenly there's mist on, you know there's a haze and, right yeah yeah um here's some here, here's some interesting questions before we go you know, so um how can they breathe when there's no power uh you know what here, here's my thing i would i would argue that there is probably a uh an amount of air that's been trapped in i don't know how long this has been abandoned right but there's an amount of air trapped inside of just like ships i mean there's, right. there's still air pockets right it's just going to get stale after a while because there's nothing there's no research happening mm-hmm. happening so um, I I think there's probably enough air, you know. Plus, Star Wars science defies oh, no, right. all. Right, I'm I'm just you know. You no, know. no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't know. I, yes, I totally agree. Because trust me, I know Star Wars science. Yeah. Let's go inside. We'll go outside inside the belly of a space lug in the middle of space with just a gas mask. And right. that, that we're cool. All right, right. I get that. Well, and maybe his stomach and, produces uh, oxygen. And even in Force Awakens, Awakens, the first thing they grab is those traditional the, the gas masks so apparently that's all like okay i'm with you I, space in star wars is warm <laughs> it's warm and inviting <laughs> they want you to come in they want, you want to, to hug you they want to hug you yeah but no i thought it was weird when they they land they they get it to work and then yeah and they're like there's no power but they're like there's air, air yeah. there's yeah. it's all good yeah <laughs> um and yeah. i would i would let it slide if it was like sabine and, and ezra and their masks because there's a lot of liberties taken with that but oh, no zeb yeah. has no mask so i'm like they didn't bother me, but seriously, it was a question when I was like, that, you know, yeah. may, maybe, I don't know. They did it in 2010, too, so there's air here, and it's yeah. very cold. And But it wasn't really that, I mean, it was kind of cold. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, my next question was, why didn't they freeze to death? Uh, there, I mean, even Zeb has um, smoke coming out of his mouth when he's talking, which was a really, I mean, at least... It, a, no, they at least a, gave has a some detail bit. to it. Right, right. I, um... What fascinated me with this episode is you, you have a little rivalry between, you know, uh, Zeb and Ezra. And, and it's kind of silly to me that it, it is the playfulness of the show that they are kind of uh, monkeying around. I'm watching this kind of creeped out. And they're monkeying around like throwing boxes on each other inside of an abandoned uh, space station. And it's just kind of eerie. Right. Right. And even the reveal um, uh, of the sister is freaky and creepy and not i mean she's in and out of light and dark and it's really it's pretty and her voice is kind of creepy I mean, yeah a lot of the 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 voice changer and, oh, and the mask is it's appropriate it's very appropriate for the umpire oh yeah you know, absolutely stormtroopers vader yeah or even everything that just bad guys with yep. masks you know, you know fett has that voice enhancer, which is you which know, I, I still on those pictures of Jeremy Bullock outside of the helmet, right? Or the guy is it Jeremy Bullock that just voiced it, or did Jeremy Bullock? Jeremy Bullock, what was fat? Okay, so whenever you see pictures of him without the helmet on and he has on his nineteen seventies big block glasses, okay, so that so you're thinking of the uh, Jedi picture, yeah, but that's from the remake. Oh, it is. It's not the remake. It's from the um, uh, special edition. Yeah. The shot, the scenes they shot for that when he's you know, hitting the you know hitting on the girl and stuff. So that wasn't Jeremy Bullock. Okay. So that guy, yeah. knowing that he's in Boba Fett armor with this, yeah, the yeah. goggles, yeah, totally yeah. negates the. Uh... Well, even Jeremy Bullock, they just released pictures this week, or they they circulate on uh, circulate on Facebook. Bullock had a very thick beard, kind of a mountainy beard, and so he's got this beard. 
<laughs> his helmet. But so there's there's Empire Strikes Back shots of him in the beard without. Yeah. But there was like there's there's a handful of people that actually played Fed. Jerry Bullock only played a little bit. The guy who played Dak also played him. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So in the scenes where, I think I'm correct, and the Star Wars fan will will correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, in the scenes where uh, after they torture Han, you know, uh, what if he does? Uh, what if he doesn't survive? He's no good to me, death. Or no, I mean not that one. Because that's that that's said it. That's best. That's that's said in the carbon freezing chamber. Yeah, that's uh, best. But... He's all yours. Um. Anyway, that whole thing when they're with Lando and they're they're altering the deal. That's Dak. Yeah. In the Fed armor, and then the the other signs it's uh, Jeremy Bullock, and there's one more guy I think. And there was two during Jedi. It was Bullock and a stunt guy. But it seems like Bullock gets most of the credit. Yeah, Bullock gets most of the credit. Because yeah. I think I think when it was revealed, he was the first one revealed. And when they started in, like, I guess the mid-90s, started doing the Man Behind the Mask tour yeah. for, for conventions. Yeah. When they really started pushing that. Right. He was, he was the Boba Fett who got it. Yeah, I got you. He 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 luck of the fet draw luck of the fet well, it works for me his um, Mandalorian luck so uh, I want to talk about droids a bit okay because there's there there are two droids in this episode we have Chopper and we have these these pro droids which right. the, these which are lovingly called the Seven Sisters parrots right um I want to talk about droids and feelings right because it's it's interesting and weird because droids are servants. Right. Who I guess are programmed to live to serve, but it's but they all have these really crazy emotions. Chopper is clearly scared yeah. in, in this episode. Yeah. He is freaked out. Yeah. He's freaked out more than more so than the others. Yeah, no, it, it, the very first shot of them getting off and he turns on his little light right. is is him yeah. emoting fear. Right. Chopper clearly doesn't want to be here right <laughs> you know and you know when we've seen chopper before he's very he's a curmudgeon he's very old and can, you can tell that he's just he just doesn't he has to work he's lazy it's it's funny so you got that on one side on the flip side those paradroids are sadistic oh yeah they're twisted they are twisted yeah, i mean just there there's something i mean they're evil yeah they're machines. So well, so Star Wars uh, personifies a lot of things. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I think it's one of the one of the agreements inside of their world is to personify um, droids, obviously, but other even even creatures uh, have a much deeper personality inside the Star Wars universe than inside of uh, other science fiction elements, like. You start to see that there's okay, but where I'm going with this is that 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 I can understand 3PO. 3PO was programmed for protocol, and so he is kind of he's 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 kind of diplomatic and sure prissy, I sure. guess. But I buy that because you would you would need to be um, helpful, you would accommodating. Right. He's very accommodating and, and fearful because you know if he dies, he can't be accommodating, and so I buy that. I buy Chopper being the curmudgeon because he's, you know, from his description when this first started, he you're you're not sure if his parts are the same than when he started. So he's been replaced. So, so we don't know if he's in there's any original Chopper. So I could I can imagine all kinds of haywire crisscrossing and programming just not agreeing and, and that makes Chopper's personality. So who programs a droid to be sadistic? <laughs> <laughs> the Sith. 
Well, I mean, it, or, or you, sorry, the Inquisitors. Do you think you think Seventh Sister was like, all right, so I need destroyed, and I'll program it to do? I mean, it's a thought. The only thing I have tied into it is that um, they pull their personality from their host, meaning their maker. Oh, I could get that. And so I always, I've always interpreted droids. Chopper is an independent, right? Mm-hmm. And yet he pulls that sort of. Uh, grumpy crusty vibe if you look at the rest of the crew they're all kind of scattered about so right chop and then if you go look at like um r2 r2 is as far as i'm concerned uh using star wars element is very kind of lukish in a way i mean he will go he'll charge into stuff he makes poor choices that are valiant in in their effort but he's very luke whereas c-3po is very young anakin because he was programmed by one of the worst actors ever so it's not his fault <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, Jake Lloyd has some issues. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I just I can't forgive. I'm a fan of Menace, and I just wizard. Yeah. Um, but they, they, you know, so maybe they take the the personality from because it goes into her character as well. Oh, it does. It does. And you know, from a writing aspect, I get it. But watching it and trying to immerse yourself in the universe—that's no, no, what I'm saying, though. But even even on the universe, maybe those droids. If they do learn emotion, let's say it's it, they, they start out zero. Let's just assume zero. Because even the battle droids in, in Phantom and such, after a while, start picking up emotion. Where did they learn that from? They, they, I'm assuming that they picked it up from someone else that led them at some point. And, and it, so they're constantly processing this see, stuff. See, at in. first it took me it took me till Phantom, no, to Revenge of the Sith to actually accept the battle droids. Because I thought they were silly. And, they and, are silly. But... but because in my brain, robots should, especially robots like that, shouldn't do that. Right. You know, they, they're stored. They they go shoot stuff. They're, they're Terminators, right? And then when I was watching the for the first time, I was watching Revenge of the Sith in the theaters, and there there's a scene where R two is kind of messing around with them in the hangar while Obi Wan and Anakin are trying to rescue the Chancellor. Then it dawned on me: you should treat the these battle droids as just another alien race. Right. And then once I said everything kind of clicked, right? Everything, and so I, I find them less sitting. I find them now a little bit more interesting. But you know, I I was just curious of like you know let's, you know, I like the idea that maybe they start as blank says and they kind of adapt to their masters, right? That make because R two adapts to Luke as he adapted to Anakin. That I'm sure he will adapt to whoever he gets attached to in. The, the next one, BB-8 is clearly adapted to to Poe, and then when Ray comes, he starts to adapt to Ray. So maybe there's something in the program that says, you know, watch your owner and yeah, I think make, makes you a better droid if you kind of work to their quirks. Whoever, yeah, whoever you're you're given to, you're you're uh, indentured to, is who you mimic. Right. Um, which gets into one of the things I want to bring up to you is is. Uh, how old is do you believe the seventh sister is? Because she's pretty much there's a sequence where she is nearly sexual to me, oozing sexuality and and is either a cougar or or a milf or not. Oh, you think but, she's that old? Well, to me, that's how I interpret her voice. To to me, it's just me, and it's maybe it's partly because I know it's it's voiced by Sarah Michelle Geller, who's close Buff, to our age. Buffy the Jedi Slayer. Buffy the Jedi Slayer. <laughs> but but watching but watching her with Ezra was she's hitting on him. You think so? She says something about his beautiful face. She directly makes a physical comment that why to me why would an Inquisitor ever care about the beauty of a person's face? Because clearly they're 
not necessarily a trap. She kind of looks like a witch. She's got a pointed witch nose okay. and everything. So, so let's let's talk dark side. What do we know about the dark side? That it's dark. It's <laughs> yeah. the dark side. Right, right. But what, they what, have red. They like red. There, but there's there, Yoda says some things about the dark side. Sure. And 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 mentions that the dark side is is if it's nothing much, it's nothing but emotion. Right. And so rage, but you know, fear, all those are emotions. Uh, love is emotion. It's kind of why I think Jedi are not supposed to love is because that's too strong of an emotion that would lead to the dark side, right? Sure. So, which is bleak, which leads me to another thing. Just remind. But me. but but think about think about this. So when. In episode three, when the Jedi confront Palpatine, what's Palpatine doing while he's whipping their ass? Laughing. He's laughing. He's yeah. laughing maniacally. Not because he's evil, because that's another form of emotion. He's, it's, it's part, I think that's part of his combat. I think he's, you know, using laughter and or emotion to make himself a better fighter. So take, take emotion. And I don't think it's, I don't, I never, I didn't read it as Milfi or Cougary. More like um, how um, I, I'm trying to put this in the right words. Ezra's clearly a teenage boy. This I I was I would I would put the seventh sister in her twenties, maybe her early twenties. No longer. I don't think she's older than twenty five, and definitely not. I don't think she's older than thirty. I think she's in that sweet spot. She's I think she's closer to Hera's age than any of them. And so she's playing, and she knows she's attractive. And so she's playing on that. And she's playing on that to try to get this 13-year-old boy or 14-year-old boy to react, to uh, to emote, to have no, some. I, I, I'm I'm with that. So I don't think I don't think she, I don't think there's I don't think there's any true feelings. I think it's all, you know. I think about. I she, don't know. She's, listening to the line. Aren't again, you cute? Aren't you so sweet? You're, you're that little but pretty listening face. Listening to the line, the way she she's saying a negative, and she's going down a path, and then she turns herself almost as if. It's not, it doesn't, to me, it did not come across as a strategic thought, but a complete emotive thought that was like her, her train of thought is moving one way. And then all of a sudden it doesn't just veer off. It takes a 90. Right. And, and to me, the shot that lines up with it is, I think it's her hand in the frame and Edward's, uh, Ezra's face. Right. So when you see it, he's like, whoa. So he's even taken back by this fact that, you know, this chick's kind of hitting on me and there's this weird, no, he resisted because he's still boyish. Right. So he's in between he's pubescent but not fully crossed over plus he's totally fallen for sabine anyway uh, absolutely he's, you know but there's that element right. that exists for that right so i don't know i but i i liked that element mm-hmm. I, I felt it was a bit to me it's a bit on the adult side of the show I mean, it crosses into that pg element versus the g element right um but but i i very much i liked it it gave depth to that character that i didn't expect to see um when i saw her because the, the other Inquisitors, as flat as they come to me, he's not See, and he's I, not interesting to me. Right, and I think it's unfairly so because I think I think when they started raking this character, they really focused on the seventh sister making her more interesting. They didn't. There's no balance in this mm-hmm. at all. So I'm almost like, why make the fifth brother? Right. If you needed a fifth brother, save him for something later when you have time to develop him into something. Yeah, because he's he's just if we're again RPG terms, he's the tank. Right. It's just he, I, he's and the, he's not he's, interesting. He's not said anything interesting. He's not right. And clearly, there's a rivalry between them, and we'll get to that in a minute. But you know, it's like even when he showed up last episode, I was like, I, I don't really care. Right. He's kind of she though makes me care. I'm interested in her because she seems to have. Uh, and I don't know the hierarchy of any of the stuff, but she seems to have 
uh, a little bit of executive authority. Is that is that? Do you know if that's hierarchy in that? At that or are they just all right? So this? all right. So according to Rebels Recon, um, for this episode, um, clearly there's a hierarchy between this particular group of inquisitors with the grand inquisitor being the top of this hierarchy which left his death has kind of left a power vacuum so all the subordinates are trying to fight vie for that power to either the next step or to be the next to be the grand inquisitor that's as much as we kind of know about this right so feloni mentions in, in an interview with with andy that it's a he specifically lists them as first, second, third, and fourth as ranks. So I would think that seventh is below fifth. But clearly, she's got some kind of edge. Either she's she, her because she's waiting for them to show up. She's at the base. Right. She didn't find them. She right. was waiting for them to get there. It took the fifth brother to get there after it opens up. You know, after the power it gets powered up and the empire gets the, the signal that hey look this base has been shut down for years it's suddenly turned on right you know this blinking light here we need to go investigate yeah, the blinking yeah the blinking <laughs> base is blinking light and so clearly she's got some sort of foresight which makes sense because you know you know all future is always emotion so i mean i buy it no i'm okay with right. it i just was curious if you if there was any you know, identified structure yet because not, I mean, they're not as we know of. Yeah. I, I mean, and frankly, you know, it's problematic because it, honestly, the, the, the brother literally should have just solve your problems, kill him. Like, why are you, why is there even a pause? Because of her, she's the one that pauses that. Right. Because of, of whatever she wants to do. And, and again, that ties into my thing about her maybe for some weird reason is interested in Ezra, I think she sees the value. The Padawans can draw out the, the the master, and I think it's interesting. I don't think she's she's less interested in Kanan than more interested in finding Ahsoka, right? Which she brings up to Ezra, you yeah. Know, so and because Ezra didn't even know they they knew about Ahsoka, right? And bam, they're like, oh, okay, they're yep. they're looking for Ahsoka, who technically isn't a Jedi anymore, right? So so uh, it, this kind of leads into something I wanted to bring up with you, if if we have time to have time. slightly derail um, for a moment. Because Re- and it does link back to Rebels. Yeah. So Rebels has done a very fantastic job of painting the Empire, um, because this is pre, pre-episode pre 4, it's before you have it, right? Of uh, painting them into a, painting the Empire as being pretty much evil. Mm-hmm. They've done a great job at doing that. But I was thinking about this the other day. If you go to Star Wars, and I, and it's an honest question, I'm, I don't, I'm not skewing the question, it's an gotcha. honest question. Aside from... Anything that happens before they blow up Alderaan, right? Right. So the years before that, and removing Rebels from that, just for a moment, okay. we're, we're going to episode four only. Was the Empire so bad? I, I am legitimately asking. All right, so... What did they do pre-explosion of Alderaan that would make our heroes hate them so much? I'm trying to think pre-explosion. So if we're looking at episode four specifically... and so They capture a ship. Who says it's a diplomatic mission? Right. They come on board and they're looking for spies, and they're looking for spies who and, are and stole bringing it. down the government. Right. The, uh, who they're stole, looking for Edward Snowden's? Right. And they've stole who stolen plans? Right. For their new super weapon, the, which they're, they're gonna, looking for Edward Snowden. Right. right. So they come in. Right. They got to kill a few dudes to do it. Right. They ch- force choke a dude. Right. A guy in black, all black comes in. Right. Who's kind of creepy, but not really. Right. Right, they stun the princess. They don't even kill the princess. Right. So after the confrontation, it 
starts to kind of be like, well, what's the big deal? She kicks off a couple of droids, right? Mm-hmm. They don't see him. The droids end up on a planet where the baddest person there is are little guys in little bitty robes mm-hmm. and sand people who arguably aren't really evil. That's just who they are. Right. They're indigenous. Yeah. Where I'm going with this is anything before the explosion of Alderaan. I don't know if you really break down the structure, who's good and who's bad. Because you, Luke, what has Luke done? Right? Right. It's only until we see his parents die and Obi-Wan tells us, though we never see it. He tells us it's Stormtroopers. What if the hell? We don't, there's no confirmation it's Stormtroopers. Right. And I don't think they... they so is the Empire we, we, we just assume they're Stormtroopers. Even... even I don't think Ben says they were stormtroopers. He just said there you there's no way you could help them. I mean, we're we're led to believe no, that I think he says something that oh, okay. yeah. you know, I think we're led to believe that, you know, the stormtroopers killed the Jawas who were looking for the droids and they apparently the droids were like, They're they're Utinis at, at the the Lars and they you know so there's a logical course of events, but we we never see it. I you know And what happens if <laughs> Uncle Owen and Aunt Baru Happen to have an insanely like Waco style shootout with the Empire. We don't know. I know I'm derailing <laughs> something, but I'm going for a point. Is that where Rebels is working so well? Is that in these two, well, for us, one and a half seasons, they've done a fantastic job of showing backstory to the Empire, which is way more important to me at this point than I mean, I love the hero side of it. But I love seeing the backstory of the Empire, knowing that they have done, and they're get, finally giving us evidence of really heinous acts pre uh, Battle of Yavin. All right, but still, you know, if we're going to, let's put it in Star Wars terms. Uh, let's do, well, let's go with Ben's cop out of a certain point of view, because this is, Star Wars is a certain point of view. We're, Absolutely. We're witnessing the, this universe through the view of the rebellion. So, of course, they're re- rebelling against something, and that other that something has to look like tyranny. Has to look like tyranny. Is it tyranny? Not sure. I've brought up a lot of times, uh, and uh, in our private conversations about, I'm not, I'm not sure in canon if um, how racist or species. Yeah, is I'm starting the, to wonder that too. The empire is okay. So I understand too. from a from a from a filmmaking perspective, it's a lot easier not to put alien and put human beings and and, and saving money, saving money, and right. put them on. So, but nowhere is it said that they are anti-alien. Right. There's there's nowhere in, in the films that they're like, well, we hate aliens. No, because even because even in the canon comics now, you know, the the emperor still has Masamatus in his employee. That guy's an alien. Clearly, the Inquisitors are aliens. They're they're using aliens somewhere. It's just you maybe they just can't serve in the, on the navy because they are or a storm we talked about this last episode about storm they don't, it doesn't fit. fit doesn't fit the easiest way to fix that is one line <laughs> aren't you a little small for a stormtrooper storm right i'm okay with that that tells me everything i need to know that stormtroopers are handpicked they're hand because they are the elite we don't actually know what the full mass of the imperial navy is right stormtroopers are their essentially their special for not special like their ranger battalion if right. we're doing military terms again it's how i've always seen them they're highly trained uh, shock troops. That is what they do. They are the Marines. They are badass. They go in and kick ass. That's what they're supposed to do. But obviously, our military has much better aim than these knuckleheads. But still, that's what stormtroopers' point is. Whereas here we have this. Okay, can I, can we pause there? Yeah. Since we're going to take this tangent, I want to take this. Ta- I'm going to yeah. throw this out to you. Um, 
What if Death Star, New Hope? I I, I won't talk about the rest of the films because I, I don't. But New Hope, right? Do stormtroopers have bad aim, or are they ordered to have bad aim? Because Vader's got a plan to stick this thing on the the, the Falcon, and so for that to work, they have to escape. No, it's, no, I'm totally <laughs> down with it. Or is it also the Force intervening? Could, could be. Because I, again, Star Wars is extreme to me. Is an extremely spiritual oh, film. Yeah. Uh, th- with you, before they ruined it with science. Um, <laughs> Many chlorians. <laughs> yeah, the, but still, I mean, what if that? What if a lot of that is beyond? I mean, because it's re- it the. Um, Luck is said so many times by Solo, and clearly, it, it, at some point, you it can't be luck. There's too much into it. From when you introduce something like the Force mm-hmm. that intervenes constantly, then you have to have something that's dodging it. So I'm with you. Either Vader shifted it, which is probably part of it, and then they spun it around, and um, and, and the Force is is working with, you know, basically the universe to to prevent them from dying. Right. Then yes, I that's what I have to subscribe to. I'm, I'm totally with you, because you know I'm I'm looking back at like the stormtroopers shooting down on Luke and Leia on the bridge. That's of course that's you know, how and, can you miss? Right? They're they have. I mean, we learned in episode three they have the high ground. They're going to win this. Yes. <laughs> they fact, get plus two. Them, they get plus two their aim. I mean, one of them does like the most badass head dodge. You know, when they're shooting and he just like whoop moves his head <laughs> to the left and it explodes right on the right hand side. Of right. It's like that These dude's guys, wicked. Guess, right. Those guys are awesome. Yeah. But they can't hit these two kids that are not. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if we're going to talk about the Stormtroopers' aim. Now, given in Rebels, their aim in the Rebels are is terrible. So I can't. Yeah. yeah. And the rest of the films, I can't really say. But Maybe it's the E-11 blaster is just. It's like the AK-47 in space. Right. So it just. it, it It's a very powerful gun. Yeah, they shoot in the mud. It's great. It's, get it it's wet. It's tough, but it just doesn't have accuracy for squat. <laughs> Maybe so. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe so. On the Battlefront video game, it's pretty nasty. <laughs> So I don't know if that counts as canon. I guess it does. Uh, I, I don't the think new so. one. I don't think battle. So. I'm not sure if can. It has the Battle of Jakku. It ties. It ties but, the movies but, in. The, but Jakku's. But the Battle of Jakku is 20 years before Force Awakens. That's true. So yeah. I don't know. I I haven't seen official word on that. Right. I heard speculation, but I haven't seen official word. It's not like because you figure they'd be like, yeah, it's just canon, but it's like because Fett's in it, and so the, that would give everyone saying Fett's alive, but. Yeah, well, they break all the emperor's still alive. One of the books, um, one of the uh, visual guides, one of the newer, well, I guess the newer post episode seven, has a has a, a thing about the Sarlacc, and in its in its description was it talks about how Boba Fett was the only person to survive the Sarlacc. Boom. So I, I, you know, personally, Fett lives. I'm just I'm with that one. I'd like Fett to show up. I, I think he'll be season three, but I'd really like to see some Fett. I'm surprised we've not seen bounty hunters. Yeah. Well, like, we kind of did. Um, don't we eventually on one? Don't we eventually see bounty hunters in this season? Sort of. Yeah. But what I mean, like in Clone Wars, you got Bosk and Dengar and Fett yeah. and Orsing, and I still want to see uh, 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 Ventress. I want to, right? Because you know she's got to be still around, right? Right. And so, yeah, yeah. We were we have a lot of episodes to go, so I don't know. But the, the, the wish list. <laughs> no, no, totally. Yeah, this is, um, I put this episode in, in for me, it's my actual favorite episode of the, although I, I like the first two, th- this episode really was really engaging to me. I've seen it three times now, mm-hmm. 
and all three times I enjoy it equally. Oh, I like it. I, the balance it, on it's really good. It has a, a we have the return of the the Ezra sized ventilation shaft. Yep. Again, which apparently also fits Sabine, but not Zeb. Yep. My favorite line in the whole thing is Zeb is when he's stuck. He goes, I'm the last of my kind. Please don't let me die like this. Yeah, it's great. It's a good line. Which, going forward, is even better. So so do you think Zeb, Zeb was actually, for a second, going to leave those kids? Uh, No, he was janing it. If we're going to do the Firefly game, yeah. he was totally janing it. Because yeah. he gets the medical supplies. He goes over to him and Chopper. He's going to do what he, he's going to Yeah, but he has mission. that conversation with... Zeb, that makes me think for a minute there, he was like, I could just get the supplies and leave and we can try to come back and rescue him. Right. Or maybe that's what Chopper was trying to say to him. I don't know. That's Yeah, but he doesn't understand Chopper, right? Right, but Chopper's saying something and yeah. he's like... <laughs> yeah. I well, don't know. When he said that to me, it was a little out of place. I was like, I'm not sure if maybe he wanted to leave. Right. I don't know. I... I... That's, a, that's an interesting point. I, I didn't pick up on it as he was going to leave. I, I think the temptation was there for right. him, but I, I don't think he would actually... I, his character doesn't seem like he would actually do it. I think he likes to put on that emotional front right. of, so, I hate you, kids. All right, but. so put yourself as uh, an Inquisitor, right? And, yep. you, and you're, you, you've ordered, you know, you know, you're listening to your captives talk to their quote-unquote commander, and the guy identifies himself as, I'm Commander Orange, or I'm Commander Apple or Grapefruit. Right. Do you believe them? Hell no. <laughs> but apparently when it's, you know, I'm Commander Mayluron, it's like, well, that's a feasible name in Star Wars. When we clearly know it's a fruit. <laughs> right. Right. I I think he... Um, I mean, it's our favorite code word. I got you. Yeah. This is like, yeah. you know, try again. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it is kind of funny to me that, that uh, <laughs> Inquisitors can be... Um, so easily fooled mm-hmm. like they walk into the most obvious of obvious like look up kind of things and here they are and they just can't bother to just like i can see the ceiling right now and i'm seated right looking directly ahead and i can still see in peripheral and these are people who are extremely force sensitive meaning their senses are even more uh, acute than mine i think they're at that moment they were too focused on them the moment yeah to worry about everything around, and maybe that's the difference between Jedi yeah, and Inquisitor. You know, you know, might be mindful of Force. They weren't mindful at, at that point. I mean, that's Agreed. what Obi Wan tells Anakin in two. But um, so when we're talking about you mentioned walk, and that made me think. So why do Inquisitors walk when the other people run away? <laughs> Uh, it's kind they of, all go to the same horror film school. They're it's like, the same thing as cool guys walk away from explosions. It's the exact same logic. <laughs> I'm like, I'll get you. I'll just, yeah. you Inquisitors there's... run from explosions, whereas cool guys, heroes, they walk away in slow motion and let it blow up behind them. Right. That's just how it works. Just the Sabine and, and Ezra run down the hall and the seventh sister just strolls. <laughs> it's menacing. I don't know. Is it? Are you scared of... Well, it's, it's it's. I mean, I'd be more scared of it. It's just lightsaber running to me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a trope. It's a trope, though, which is it's that confidence of slowly walking towards him. It's it's a horror film trope. I right. mean, it's it's. Well, I mean, yeah, I yeah, got gotcha, you. Michael Myers. It's Jason. I, right, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I just kept going. Yeah. <sighs> Run! You could catch them. Just pick up the pace. And granted, there's a door, so they figured out that they could. But I'm like, you could just kill them. But well, again, she walks in and she's got she. I mean, clearly out. Jedi's out forces, I guess just didn't say, 
uh, Ezra, and she, and she pulls well, the, the his saber I, to her hand. Well, and, I like how she pulls him down, and then the droids help. Right. I, I like the use the use of the Force and her technology. Right. To to capture Ezra, I thought that was that was cool. Yeah. I like the little sadistic pair of droids. I really do the little eighty uh, nine seeker droids. Is what they are, but they the tiny little pro droids. I never th- even thought about that. It's such a cool idea. Well, I think they're great just because they can fold up so small. <laughs> like, right. I'd like to see it where they're just like mounted on the back of of or on pauldrons. Yeah. So you think it's just like some kind of pauldron armor, and then they just kind of dissipate off and go do their thing. And... Yeah, so we're, we're gonna face that in your next video, your, your next RPG, right? Yeah, that's it. Um, I don't like the Inquisitor sabers. I'll. St- I, I I don't like the fact that they're all the same. I, that bothers me. <laughs> I, There's no personality. To I them. thought it was a neat thing for the Inquisitor to have it, but since it's it, and they're all unique, they're all they all look different. Yeah, but they all do the same. They thing. all do the same thing, which means like, their fighting style is for the most part the same, which is based on that. right, and which makes sense because if he's teaching them all, I got it. But I'm like, I'm I'm bored with it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's and I know what they're doing because they're like, well, they have to up the game every time they do it. So, you know, we had single sabers, and Maul shows up with, with two lightsabers, and, you know, Grievous has, like, 50. Right. <laughs> and so I, so this is what something you do different. Well, they did that. I, it's okay to have the traditional saber. I don't know. I, I just want to know how you felt about it. I, I'm no, not, I, I'm, not, I'm actually not a huge fan of it at all. I, I thought it should only be exclusive. Look, I, I come from the school from, you know, growing up in the 80s. I come from the idea that every hero has a, a hero weapon, mm-hmm. which we have in this. It's very clear. Ezra's lightsaber is completely unique. Right. And it's great. It's, it's right? one of the and neatest ones that I've ever seen. Absolutely. Uh, K- so is Kanan's. The first Kanan's time, is as well. The first time we've ever seen one that connect, you know, that yep. he puts together, yep. which is ingenious. Absolutely. But then you have the, the Inquisitors, which should have that same vibe, and they don't. They're all generic. And it's supposed to be care. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel as... Uh, the potential to bring in something really interesting like hers considering her to me the, the the agility that she has and the sexuality kind of that comes through her sort of presence is a little more i expected more of a, a lightsaber that was more um maybe two that are slightly shorter almost like uh not katana style whatever the smaller sword but smaller blades right and it's more in that or vein. just one just something you know yeah something just more more sleek yeah sleek and then let his be a little more aggressive and he has that um i mean i, I still don't like once you once the inquisitor showed his the, the grand inquisitor once we saw that one it's what do you do beyond that and maybe that's the problem it's like his was so crazy cool that how do you go past that? And I, I think it's I a little a lightsaber lazy. axe, <laughs> a vibro axe with a because, lightsaber attached. Because Maul swung his around, and that takes effort. You just hold it right. so it spins. Speaking of sidetrack, if you haven't seen the Maul, uh, I have not seen film. the fan film yet. But uh, yeah, you need we, to watch it. We, yeah, we posted it on the website, but we have I had to sit down yeah, chance to watch it. Y- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The from Groove. okay, but but the the guy playing Maul, yeah. <laughs> That's it's solid. That's the kind of effort that I would like to see, and you get the uh, ID nine droids in it. Oh, well. cool! Yeah, very nice. Something similar. Something. Similar. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. We'll, we'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah, it's very cool, and and again, it is something that rolls into what I would have liked to have seen in this. You know, uh, his fighting style was very unique. It was very wushu, um, but still, it was very unique sort of style. So I, I would I wish they hadn't 
more more style variances in their in their unless they're going to say you know and you brought it up kind of but unless they're going to say that the grand inquisitor because he trained all of them that this is the protocol he follows this is what you do and these are a glorified um uh, like the royal guard they're trained mm. in a very specific task of doing very specific things and there is no deviation or variation so they are all kind of running the same gag so to speak right that that'd be my only other thought i just you know i i i wanted to like them and the, even when they quit inquisitors it was neat but i'm like i am a traditionalist i'd rather have a regular lightsaber or double blade something different but right you know i know this is different and i and i let it slide but i don't even think they're that effective no and so it's like unless then because it means to me is it the circle looks to me like a blade Mm -hmm. or is it a guard or is it both it's a guard but yeah but it looks like like if you see like the close-ups of it it looks like they're sharp i don't know because uh somebody's has like a spike knuckle piece over the top of it where it's it's like seven sisters sisters is round and has it looks like the edges are sharp Maybe hers is, and then, and then, and then his his doesn't have spikes either, but it has it's uh it's round but it's more blunt. No, I thought maybe I'm wrong. I just looked it up. They're they're on the StarWars.com. I looked at them today, and I was like, because well, I was ready prepared to have this, this this discussion about these lightsabers, and it's like at least they're all different, but they're like ah, still not interested. It's still the same technique, right? And that's what's always been interesting is everyone has a, a slightly different technique, which is the flaw in Episode Three, the Obi Wan and Anakin's lightsaber fights. The same fighting style, fighting each other, right, is boring as hell. Yeah, it is. Oh, like, and it goes on forever. Especially, yeah. I, I, I was done with it when they both do the defensive swing at the same time with the opposite. Which some visual effects guy had a high five and thought that was awesome, and I'm yeah. just like, oh, it's the same old stuff. I just, yeah, do something different. But, but to to this day, um, my favorite lightsaber battle is still uh, Maul. And, oh, I do the fights is great. It's the best. I don't think nothing's me. top topped it. Um, and a lot of people were on the on the seven bandwagon. That's not a lightsaber battle. That's that's two people to me. That's two people slugging it out. Right. Which was a, it was an emotional battle and not necessarily a choreographed routine. And that's what I kind of want sometimes. Oh, all right. So battle. so so let's have some fun. Let's rank them. Yep. So uh, clearly. Our pick is Duel of Fates. It's never yep. the best lightsaber. And so our parameters are canon. Right. Right. So, um, and I can't do much too much about Clone Wars, but there's some great ones in Clone Wars. Of course, but, uh, yeah. No, because my second one's going to become for Rebels. Which one is from Rebels? The, the Vader, Vader Kanan, Ezra. Yeah. It, and the reason why I rank it second, second is because it's everything we always want to see Darth Vader do, but you couldn't do because of the limitations of the technology, the visual technology we had. He grabs Kanan's hand. He's he's throwing Ezra that and having Ezra yeah, almost almost trying to kill point. kill him yeah. kill himself with a lightsaber. That's a very good point. I mean, it's everything we always wanted Vader to do, but you just couldn't because you know David. It's a man in a suit and he, and it's a bulky suit and you can. But in animation, you can get away with this stuff. Oh, yeah, I'm just like the moment he catches Kanan's hand, I'm like. Clearly, it was my second favorite fight. It's. I actually, I, I, I would put that, I would put that two or three for myself. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the the Luke Vader fight in Jedi. Um, but again, that's very emotional. I like the one from, um, uh, my favorite Luke Vader fight's Empire. That's the prettiest. But for it's sure. But the, but 
he gets a hit on Vader, and Vader yeah. loses his shit. Yeah. And I like that. I mean, yeah. that's how Luke loses his hand because yeah, you hit his shoulder. It's kind of interesting though that if that Luke was that Vader's that old, or Luke is that skilled because he goes toe to toe. He he. All right, he goes to a planet, lifts some rocks with his brain, and then next thing you know, he's on a on on Bespin. And he's whooping ass. The same thing, the same, but the same point I put in when when Finn uses the Force and fights yeah. Kylo Ren, the Force works through you. It also obeys your commands. Right. So that's those are both essences. Yeah, the you. Force allows Root Luke to have this battle. I'm with you because it's sloppy. Luke is sloppy in it, but holding his own. Yeah. And Vader's, I think Vader's really surprised about that but also I think by now Vader knows the truth he doesn't want to kill his son because if he kills his son he can't turn him right and That's so fair. and so he's got you know he's toying he's toying around with him the issue I had with the other prequel um, lightsaber battles the the Yoda one and well, well, the both both Yodas is that they decided to break what I always loved about Star Wars lightsaber battles which was they geography wise you knew where everyone was right and the shot structure was such that it, it accentuated i mean uh, the bespin battle i can see the orange you know you have the orange glow of the whatever the the, the, the carbon room and you yeah. have them fighting on that catwalk and you see them and and their lightsabers and they're almost silhouettes but you have right. this beautiful that's a wide shot showing you the geography mm-hmm. to help you track it in but then suddenly when they when they start doing all this stuff where you know Yoda's bouncing around, it's a fun gimmick for like ten seconds. And I cheered. I saw it. I cheered. No, I did too. I, I but cheered. Then, then you don't if you go back and look at it again, I don't know what the doesn't, hell is going on. Doesn't hold up. No. Um I and I I don't like the other fight either, the one before with between Dooku and and everyone and uh Anakin because Chris Release sold. I guess they didn't want to spring for a stunt guy, so it's basically close ups and flashlights. So there's scenes where they look like they're at a rave. Yep. It's just oots, oots, the oots, only, oots. The, the, now going into story element, the one thing I do love is that Dooku introduces us to a new style. Right. So they did give us a new style. That that fencing style yeah. is what I, I would have liked the sister to have, is that fencing style. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Where it's more it's just pardon the expression, but really just kind of effing with them, right? Right. She's, she's toying with them until you get that one and and you just wear them down and eventually you're a great defensive. Right. And then you just get the one poke in and it's over. Right? You just Oh yeah. And that's game over. Maybe if they're if 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 Filoni's out there listening, <laughs> yeah, let's see that. That's what we want. Yeah, <laughs> things. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what are the the other. I like the the one from Clone Wars. I really like. I like um, Maul and Savage versus Palpatine. It's my favorite Palpatine fight. That's three for me. I actually now that you bring that up, I've forgotten about it. That's three. Hmm. That's a great battle. It's so I good. will. I will fully. Commit to your idea. I, if we, if we, one is Duel of the Fates, two is Luke and Vader on Bespin, three is Savage. Oh no, you're saying two uh, is two uh, for me is Lothal yeah, because yeah. because uh, just Vader's two, being, two, Vader's I'm, Vader's always what I wanted Vader to be right there. I'll go to I'll, I'll back off of Jedi and go to Luke and Vader on Bespin. I think that is a better battle. You're correct for me. And I mean, just we, I think we agree I mean, on three, right? Yeah, because that's just insane. Right, it's just insanely good. Just uh, watching because you know you got Savage both with a light, well not a Savage but Maul with a lightsaber and, and the dark saber. Oh, yeah, just like yeah. And the, and 
you see how truly badass Palpatine is. And it's, again, another of those situations where filming it's the limitations we've got. And while it's different because they had CGI and stuff and they can make Ian McKellen do, do, do some stuff, he is vicious. It's not Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. I was like, holy crap, Gandalf? I'm sorry. Ian, um, I cannot think of the Emperor's name now. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway. But, um, you know, just coming in and, and just being such a badass. Right. And that's, you know, if you're going to rule the galaxy, you need to prove it. And he does. Just and it's subtle. It just shows up. And it's like, all right, yeah, I have to kill this guy, but you're going to be useful later. Yeah. Hopefully. Yes. <laughs> just beats a Maul, who's a beast, yeah. who who only dies to a lucky shot. I mean, right. the force kills Maul or quote unquote injured, you know, you know, gets rid of Maul. That's that's all that is. That's like, well, we got to get rid of this guy. Which is a poor decision on Lucas's part. I'm and, and proof in Clone Wars and, and possibly in Rebels that seeing Maul is Maul's awesome. No, no, he's and wait till you see this fan film. It's great. It's really well done. It also introduces a whole new um again, it's not canon. Right. But it, it does introduce this idea, it puts in perspective very quickly that in um the Phantom era, mm-hmm. whatever that's called, how many years before Yavin that is, I forget how many. 40 ABV something like that yeah whatever that era is right that era the Jedi were as diverse as you could possibly ask for I mean they have whatever Ahsoka's race is I forget Uh, she's a Tengaran or something like that yeah whatever but they have this like huge mix right we have Plo Koon we have all these and it was they did a great job in the the short introducing that same thing it still goes back to what we were discussing earlier I still don't think the Empire had an issue with I don't think the Empire had an issue with any alien races. I just think I it's simply think it was a production decision. Absolutely, but I also if, if we are in the political structure, I think the Empire saw it as, you know, uh, 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 Kashyyyk rebelled right. and refused to go under the control. Right. Okay, so Kashyyyk is mostly Wookies, therefore attack Wookies. Uh, Lothal uh, is rebelling. There you go. Uh, Rythal rebels. Correct. <laughs> Correct. So that doesn't necessarily mean they hate. They, they hate alien races. Right. It just means that those planets, those systems, rebelled. Right. Well, uh, I guess we covered. We went in circles yet again. Um, you can follow me at uh, Scotty White on the Twitter. You can follow us at the Mopcast Network at Mopcast Network. You can uh, go to our Facebook page. we got interesting stuff there. Facebook.com slash Mopcast or the website itself at Mopcast.com. You can follow Drew at Tesla Punk. Tesla bonk. Yeah. Go see Convergence. It's still on iTunes. Yeah, still still there. Still just waiting for you. <laughs> Go see it. Uh, this is our contribution to the multiverse. Go out and make yours. May the force be with you. Network.